You are now tuning in to the Joes on the Pros podcast with your host, Junie Riddle and Casey Warner, covering all the latest topics in today's sports. Welcome back to the Joes on the Pros podcast. We are now on episode 17, and as you know, the Super Bowl just ended this past Sunday. What a Super Bowl it was. A great comeback, another great comeback, that is, by the Kansas City Chiefs, and they are crowned Super Bowl 54 champs. They win that one 31-20. You know, the 49ers come out and get a lead in that one 20-10. They're posing for the photographs. They think they got the win, and then Patrick Mahomes does what he has done all playoff long. He puts points up on the board. He starts throwing the ball downfield, and he gets that offense going going. What a game, Junie. What a game it was. Comparatively speaking, just to last year's game, I was very happy just to see a, you know, a competitive, a little bit more high-scoring game, a game that was a little bit of a nail-biter in the end. So just give me your overall thoughts on the game and how you feel you know, about how happy you are for the Chiefs and them getting this win. You know, it's really good to see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's been 50 years since they've been back. The last time they've been was the last time they won, and that was in Super Bowl Four. obviously 50 years later. They get it done. They got Patrick Mahomes in company in that elite offense. And then just to see Andy Reid uh, get his first Super Bowl, I tell you what, Casey, that was that was, that was that was what sold it for me, was seeing Andy Reid and all his trials and tribulations and all the times that he's made it uh, to the conference championship or either lost, and then the one Super Bowl that he made it to in Super Bowl 39 and the fact that he lost that one. To see him come up with a big win and to see his, his players embrace him and to see all that he's done and what he's built and kind of like his second career there with Kansas City after his life in Philadelphia it was really it was really good to see it was a real feel-good story Uh, you don't see a lot of small market teams nowadays succeeding like the Kansas City Chiefs in professional sports so it was really good to see Andy Reid you know a small town team like Kansas City uh, win the Super Bowl against a big huge uh, franchise such as the San Francisco 49ers who's already won five Super Bowls total. Now, Patrick Mahomes, of course, named the MVP of the Super Bowl. He was 26 of 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. And then along with that, on the ground, he added nine carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Now, this is something that we can get into a little bit. I thought maybe Damian Williams should have gotten the MVP, and I think a lot of other people thought that. So, kind of give me your thoughts, you know, on who you think should have got the MVP. If not, you think maybe Patrick Mahomes, and kind of give me, you know, what you think about that. I mean, there's definitely an argument on both sides when you look at this. I mean, Damian Williams had an absolute game. Uh, There's a thing that I've been hearing about that I haven't heard before, but I've seen it in the media this week about playoff Damian. And the fact of the matter is, is that he has showed up. I mean, you look at his Kansas City offense here and and what is the one thing that we never see them do we never see them run the ball well they kept up with the number two rushing team in the entire league with running the ball the 49ers only had about 15 more rushing yards total than the Kansas City Chiefs and going into the Super Bowl if you were going to tell me that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to run the ball just as well as the Niners I would have told you that you were crazy Damian Williams had over 100 yards rushing he had a touchdown and on top of that he had a couple receptions probably about 30 to 40 yards receiving and a touchdown down there too. I mean, he was a game changer. Just watching the way that he ran the ball just showed that he came to play. He wanted to win. You know, he was lowering his shoulder, driving through, and trying to get 
yardage, man. And I got to tell you what, I think Damian Williams should have definitely been MVP. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked really pedestrian, honestly looked like he was having one of his worst games up until they came back there in the fourth quarter. But the fact of the matter is, without Patrick Mahomes, without him lighting it up there in the second half of the fourth quarter, there is no Chiefs Super Bowl. And with that being said, I think, you know, even though I think Damian Williams had a better overall game, the fact of the matter is Patrick Mahomes showed up when it mattered most. He brought his team back, and the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions because of the way that he plays football. Now, you mentioned you know Patrick Mahomes struggled a little bit in this game. Let's get on the 49ers' side a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo definitely struggled in this game. He was 20 of 31, 219 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. And another interesting stat from this game on the Niners' side is no player rushing or receiving had any more than 58 yards. Uh, Raheem Mostert, just 12 carries, 58 yards. Tevin Coleman had five carries, 28 yards. And Matt Burita didn't even get a touch. I mean, that's just that's disappointing because we all thought going into this game, you know, they were going to use that three-headed monster at running back. They were going to get that offense really going. I know a lot of people were betting that over for this game, thinking it was going to be a lot higher scoring of a game. But the 49ers, unfortunately, come out and kind of lay an egg on offense. Uh, and that kind of starts with Jimmy Garoppolo here. And this is where people are going to start speculating in the offseason. You know, we've questioned all season long whether Jimmy Garoppolo is an elite quarterback. And he definitely did not do anything to further prove that in this game. You know, he obviously had an acceptable season getting his team to the Super Bowl. But kind of like Jared Goff in the Super Bowl last year, he didn't show up when it mattered. He didn't make the plays. And that definitely shows on this offense. I mean, just look at the receiving totals here. You know, Bourne had two receptions for 42 yards. That led the team. Debo Samuel, five catches for 39. And then no more than that. I mean, Jusic had a touchdown receiving three catches for 39 yards. So, you know, going into the offseason, we're going to have to kind of question, you know, what are the 49ers going to do if next season maybe Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have as good of a season? You know, what are they thinking here? You know, do you think there's a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo might not be what everybody's thinking he is? I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback is a little bit hated on, honestly. I mean, I got I, I to gotta hand it to him. I mean, the not many franchise quarterbacks that's getting paid as much as he is can take a backseat to the running game the way that he does. Um, you know, in the Super Bowl, I didn't think that he played particularly bad. I don't think he was particularly good either. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, the offensive schematics of the 49ers are what lost them this game. I mean, going down the stretch, the fact that they passed the ball as much as they did, you know, not trying to tick off some of that clock, you know, they thought they had control of this game. But really, when we look down to it, them passing the ball and being, you know, not as being aggressive with the ground game as they were is what, you know, was able to get the Chiefs back into this game. You know, other than, I'd say, a Jimmy G overthrow on that Emmanuel Sanders pass, that would have been a touchdown if he would have if he would have landed that. That was one big play that changed the game. You know, I mean, if he scores that touchdown, Patrick Mahomes has about a minute or so left to drive all the way down the field and, you know, score to win the game. And I tell you what, that one play kind of, turned his game from having a good game in order to having a mediocre game. I don't think he played as bad as people think, man. I I, I really don't. I mean, he's 69% completion percentage this season. And on top of that, when he's in the lineup, they are 21-6 and six after the Super Bowl. When he's not in the lineup, they're picking number two in the draft, and they're 3-13. and 13. So I got I to gotta ask all the viewers out there, I mean, is Jimmy G that bad? Yes, he might be a system quarterback, but I mean, hey, what quarterback doesn't, you know, benefit from the system they play in? Right, and you know, another thing worth mentioning is last week in our Super Bowl special, uh, our guest Caden Gaylord, who's been on here a couple times now, he mentioned 
uh, you had picked Jimmy Garoppolo to be the MVP, and he mentioned he was a game manager. I think that's just a perfect fitting term just to say where he's at right now, and that's what he did so well this year to get the 49ers where they're at. But on the other side, let's look at the Chiefs' defense and what they were able to accomplish in this game. That was one of my major questions last week was, you know, can the Chiefs' defense come out and hold their own one more time? And that's just what they did. They held the 49ers to 26 minutes of possession roughly, and they were 3-for-8 on third down, 0-for-1 on fourth down, held them to under 400 total yards, total offense, 351 to be exact, 219 passing yards, and 141 rushing yards. So that Kansas City defense definitely got it done. So this leads me to another question I'm going to ask that we can discuss a little bit is going into the offseason these two teams obviously know they're at the top of their respective conferences but maybe what is something that the Niners are going to look to build on this offseason and what is something the Chiefs are going to build on this offseason I mean honestly when you look at the San Francisco 49ers they're poised to be back in this position not necessarily being in the Super Bowl again because we know how hard that is to do that on a consistent basis in the NFL but with that being said I mean the Niners have all the pieces. They have a good pass rush. They have a good O-line. They have a good running game. They have a solid secondary. They have veterans. They have young players. They have everything. And, I mean, Jimmy G, outside of what people are saying about him, I think that he's a solid quarterback. Now, if they want to go out and replace him and find somebody, that's up to them. But as of right now, as we speak, I mean, we can't really criticize and get down on the Niners as much as a lot of people are. They just made it to the Super Bowl. They won the NFC, and a lot of people think the NFC is better. And, I mean – when you look at the structure of this Niners team, they're built for the long run, and I think if they keep doing what they're doing, they keep improving, stay in the system, and you know they keep you know getting that chemistry built up within what they already got, adding you know you know a couple you know facility players within the draft and maybe in free agency. But outside of that, I think this Niners team is good. Now with Kansas City, I mean Kansas City's defense has been suspect all year. I would say up until about week eleven. Onward, they started to step up their game. You know, the pass rush started to get there, like Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, big playmakers like that started to make plays. And I tell you what, if they keep this going, they're going to be the favorite in the AFC for the next decade if they keep playing how they played the second half of the season here. So the question has to be asked, though. Obviously, we think two of the best tight ends in the league faced off in this game, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So who's who's the better tight end? Um... God, it's it's so hard because they're both so talented. They're both uh, so energetic to their own team. They get they're very motivating uh, to their respected organizations. But if I had to pick one, I'm picking Travis Kelsey. Um, he's I, I feel like he's a little bit bigger. I feel like he's older. He's a little bit more mature. He's been there. He's done that. Um, and I think that especially when you got a quarterback like Mahomes. I think that that better suits him and is going to put him into better situations. So I think just because of the situation that he's in, I think Travis Kelsey is the better tight end. I'm going to have to agree with you there. He had a little bit statistically better of a season, but it is worth noting, I talked about this to a few of our friends we were watching the game with uh, this past Sunday. George Kittle's been playing with a torn labrum in his shoulder since 2018, so best of luck to him recovering that in the offseason. That's very impressive that he's played through that the past two seasons. But one more question before we end this segment, just to kind of recap things for this Super Bowl. Who do you think is more likely to come back next year and repeat and make it to the Super Bowl, the Chiefs or the Niners? I would say the Kansas City Chiefs right now, just because uh, the depth in the AFC, uh, it's not as deep as it is in the NFC. I think personally that the top AFC teams are better than the top NFC teams, in my opinion. Uh, But the AFC, like I said, is, is a lot more top 
heavy. And I think just being in the NFC, you know, being in a tough division like the NFC West, where you got Seattle, you got the Los Angeles Rams, and you got the up and up and coming Cardinals. I definitely think that Kansas City has a much better chance on getting to the Super Bowl than the Niners. I'm going to have to agree with you there, just because piggybacking off of what you said, the NFC is just so top-heavy. At the top, there's a lot of good teams. And, you know, in the coming years, that NFC West is going to be brutal for the Niners to get through. You know, the Seahawks and the Rams are still going to be there, and the Cardinals even up and coming. So I definitely agree with you there. But nonetheless, a great Super Bowl. Like I said, I was very happy to see that it was a much more competitive game than our 13-3 to defensive battle last year between the Patriots and the Rams. So congrats to the Chiefs. Congrats to the city of Kansas City on bringing the Lombardi Trophy back there. But with that being said, in our next segment, we're going to get into what we think are going to be the biggest offseason headlines, maybe some trades that are going to happen, a little bit of mock drafts maybe, and a little bit of, you know, some wild card things thrown out there that we might think are cold hard predictions on what's going to come up this way in this 2020 offseason in NFL. Stick with us here on the Joes on the Pros podcast. On the road again, going places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. had an awesome 100th year anniversary of the NFL. I mean, top to bottom, this season had a lot of ups and downs. It had a lot of twists and turns, a lot of unexpected things happening. And I think that that's really good for the league. And I think now more than ever, the NFL and its fans are super excited about this offseason that's coming up here because there's so many free agents, Casey. I don't think I have ever seen a free agent pool as big as this one, especially loaded with a ton of quarterbacks and opportunities for multiple people. And I mean, there's a lot of big name free agents in general, a lot of teams that need to make, you know, very big decisions with the future of their franchise going into this 2020 uh, offseason here. So I got to ask Casey, what are some of these big name guys that are going to go where, who's going to do what, what teams are going to go in what direction? What do you see? Like, there's so many big stories out there that we can talk about, but what are some big things that you see? that are coming out of this 2020 offseason. So, first of all, everybody's still kind of wondering about Tom Brady. Obviously, the Super Bowl commercial maybe kind of misled some people. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm personally not buying that. I don't think that means anything. I think that's just thrown out there because he purposely wants people to not know what he's doing, and I think he's going to milk this to the last second for attention. I personally am clueless. I don't know where he's going to go. I have no idea. I've heard speculation about him maybe even going to Nashville, maybe him you know, going to L.A. with the Chargers, even maybe the Raiders, or even just staying in New England. So I personally am clueless on the whole Tom Brady situation. I think ultimately, though, he's going to end up just staying in New England. Uh, like I said, I think he's just going to throw everybody a curveball with that with that commercial there. But other than that, you know, other quarterbacks we can look at. Drew Brees, is he going to retire? Is he going to go to the free agency? Is he going to resign? That's going to be a big headline. Um, he's getting up there in age as well. And then, you know, with the Titans, two big things, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. What are they going to do with those two guys? Are they going to extend Ryan Tannehill? Is he going to be a free agent? What are they going to do with Marcus Mariota? And then also Derrick Henry, does he deserve the big contract? So those are kind of my biggest things. And then, of course, for me personally, uh, you know, the Rams, they have a lot of moves they have to make this offseason. I've heard a lot of speculation that maybe Todd Gurley is going to get traded with that big contract and his disappointing season. So that's going to be interesting to see. 
But uh, personally, you know, what do you think about some of those things that I just mentioned and maybe anything that you think is going to be big? So just one thing, I, I just want to clarify what you said. Are you saying that Tom Brady is staying with the New England Patriots? Is that is that is that what you're locking in right now? If I had to put a wager on it and think, you know, where he's going to go, I'm going to say he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay, too. I mean, you know, Robert Kraft or whoever leaked it out of the New England uh, franchise there said that they were going to offer him up to $30 million. My thing is, is that has the damage already been done? I mean, his trainers put his house up. He's put his house up. I mean, he's already moved his family to New York. He's, you know, he's actually contemplating this. I mean, Tom Brady kind of feels disrespected by the New England Patriots. So has it gone too far? Is he out to prove that he can do it without Bill Belichick? And, you know, vice versa. Is Does Bill Belichick kind of want to start over, you know, move past Tom Brady? Like, is it an end of the era? And, I mean, I just I, – I don't see it either, Casey. I really don't. I really – I'm not going to sit here and say that I truly believe that Tom Brady is going to be in another uniform next year until I see it happen. I just don't. I mean, the Chargers organization is not very good as much as awesome as it would be, to, you know, to be the counter of the Rams in L.A., to play in that new stadium, to be in that kind of market. You know, he's from California. I mean, that would be cool. But I just don't think as an organization that they are sturdy enough to hold a name like Tom Brady. And then you look at the Oakland Raiders. I mean, Talent-wise, I just don't really see the talent as much as I do in Los Angeles with the Chargers as I do with the Raiders. I just don't think the Raiders have enough pieces in place for Tom Brady to want to go there. And then you look at places kind of like Tampa Bay. I mean, maybe, maybe Tampa Bay, but like, is that somewhere that Tom Brady wants to be? It's just so many questions, but when it buckles down to it, I mean, the guy has been in New England for 20 years. I think he's going to stay there. Uh, and, you know, looking at some of these other things like Dak Prescott's uh, contract, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that we've been talking about this all season on and off about is he going to get paid or not. And I think that he deserves to get paid. I don't think that he should be paid, you know, the highest paid quarterback in the league. I don't think he deserves that. He hasn't won a playoff game yet. But or he, Actually, yeah, he has. He, he, won, he won one last year and then he lost. Against right. LA, sorry, correction, Dak Prescott. You have won a playoff game. <laughs> one, I'm sorry, but yes, I mean he's definitely outperformed what people thought. I definitely think the Cowboys need to get him re-signed. Uh, but the problem is, is like you look at these teams and you look at when they sign a quarterback to a huge contract and what that does to the team. That's money that's not going to get paid to you know your quarterback's offensive line, his weapons, the defense. I mean something is going to have to lose there in Dallas. And, but I personally think they should pay him. I think Dak Prescott might not need to be uh, so harsh on the Cowboys there trying to get him to pay upwards to you know $30 million a year. I think that's a little excessive for him and what he's accomplished in his first four years. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that are that are going to go on. Another big thing is that A.B. apologized to the Steelers on 93-7, the fan in Pittsburgh, yesterday, which is really interesting, and says that he misses the Berg and I quote that I miss the bird oh, yeah. and that he might possibly want to get a reunion. And another thing with the Steelers that I'm seeing and I'm hearing about is that there's a lot of uh, tension with the New York Jets and Le'Veon Bell. And last season, I mean, the Steelers reached out to the Jets on a possible trade. And I tell you what, I mean, with the production that he got in New York, I mean, if I were him, I'd be wanting to scramble back to Pittsburgh as well. Um, so there's a lot of different things with that. But, yes, a lot of big things. And another one, where do you think Teddy Bridgewater is going to go, Casey? Man, that's that's the golden question. I was about to ask you the same thing. You know, there's two quarterbacks that are kind of in the maybe second or third tier, not elite, that uh, everyone's kind of wondering about. Phillip Rivers and Teddy Bridgewater, those are two, because we've obviously 
heard, you know, Phillip Rivers is not going to be back with the Chargers. So it's going to be very interesting to see where those two guys end up. Uh, Teddy, I personally think the Saints are just going to re-sign him because of the situation with Breeze. He might retire in the next couple years or he might go. So, I mean, he was 5-0 and as a starter this year. Why not keep him? I think it makes sense for the Saints to keep him. Uh, Phillip Rivers, man, I'm going to throw a wild card out there and say maybe the Bucks or the Dolphins. I was just reading how the Bucks and the Dolphins are oh, two of only four teams that are going to have 80-plus million in cap room this offseason. That's an outrageous amount. So, you know, maybe for the Dolphins to sign a veteran quarterback like Phillip Rivers would benefit them drafting somebody like Tua Tagovailoa, you know, that's going to be injured, obviously, coming into the season. I think that would make perfect sense for them, for them to sign a veteran quarterback. And then the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks have Jameis Winston, who led the league in passing yards, throws for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. You know, what to do with that guy? We think maybe they could make a, court, a QB move. So maybe Phillip Rivers or Teddy Bridgewater there makes sense. But, you know, those teams that have a lot of cap room, the Colts have a lot of cap room, too. They're kind of trying to still figure out what Jacoby Brissett, his role is on that team. Do they keep him? Do they go another direction? They're also another one of those four teams with 80-plus in cap cap room, that is. So it's going to be really interesting to see these teams that have a lot of cap room. I'm really interested to see what the Dolphins do because they have so many picks, they have so much money, and they could really go from worst to first like they did that one season when they went 1-15 and and then 11-5 and again. I'd love to see it. So the teams with a lot of cap room are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I definitely believe that the Miami Dolphins are trending upward. I like, I've been saying it all year long. Um, you know, maybe not when they started out losing by 40, you know, in multiple games, but, you know, progressively throughout the season, they've gotten so much better. Uh, you know, Flores as a coach, like I really like him. I really like his attitude. I think they're going in the right direction. And honestly, I think that they're going to land Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. I think that they're going to sign Teddy. Uh, he's the hometown man. And I mean, he was contemplating going there last year, you know, thought about staying with New Orleans in the better system, but obviously I don't think Drew Brees is going to retire. And I think that in the Saints, organization I think that they're going to go with Taysom Hill as the backup I really really do that's what I'm hearing you know the speculation from you know Super Bowl week the you know the media radio row you know talking to Drew Brees talking to, uh, to you know other members of the Saints that you know they really do believe in Taysom Hill and you know seeing him play in their one playoff game against Minnesota and the way that he lit a spark I definitely think that he is going to be the future of New Orleans and that is going to let Teddy Bridgewater and the experience that he's gained playing under Drew Brees is going to take a up-and-coming Miami team uh, to new levels. I that That is my prediction, that I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be the most improved team next year uh, for the 2020 season. Now, let's get into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because this is a really, really interesting team for me here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were one of the best run defenses in the league. They got a lot of cap space here. So I think that they're going to really shoot out and try and improve that secondary there and try and get that defense a little bit more well-rounded. Now, Carson Palmer, a very interesting figure here, he played for Bruce Arians out there in Arizona, and Arizona was going through a period at that time where they were kind of falling off. They hired Bruce Arians, and then Carson Palmer kind of has a resurgence in his career after leaving Cincinnati, and he has stated that, you know, Bruce Arians' offense is really, really, really complicated. And he said that his first year that he struggled too, and I remember him struggling. And then you look at his year two numbers. 
And is this something that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to do with Jameis Winston? I think so. I think that they're going to give him one more year, uh, a whole offseason with Bruce Arians, and to try and figure this thing out. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the more talented teams in the NFL, and when they figure out how to put it together, I definitely think that they can be a sleeper playoff team coming into next year. So there's obviously one thing that people have been asking all season because he didn't play except for the first game. Uh, Cam Newton. Everyone's wondering about Cam Newton, and that's something that's kind of went by the wayside since the playoffs have been going here. You know, can he stay healthy next season for a team, and where will he play with that $20 million plus guaranteed that he's got on his contract? Uh, I think the Panthers are definitely going to dump him. Uh, you know, the verdict's out on where he's going to go. It's, it's interesting to think about because he's kind of in the same situation as Teddy and Phillip Rivers where he's a veteran guy. He could come in and be a mentor for somebody that somebody's going to draft. And, you know, Cam Newton, there's a lot of possibilities on the table, but who's going to take the chance and sign him with that contract? And I'm going to go ahead and throw a wild card out here. I think maybe the Colts would sign him. I think that would be a good signing for them. I think they could maybe even start out Jacoby Brissett starting and then maybe work Cam Newton in just because Brissett's a little bit younger. You know he's healthy, and then Cam Newton's not as healthy. They got all that cap room there. So Cam Newton, maybe the Colts is a wild card I'm throwing out there. But uh, let's let's kind of get it transition into the draft a little bit here. Maybe you think some big picks that are going to happen in the draft. Um, we know the Bengals are picking number one overall. We expect that they're going to take Joe Burrow. But then after that, it's kind of a mix up. You know, you got Chase Young high on the board. Chase Young's Chase Young's going to Washington. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's that's a fact. I'd Chase, say so. Chase Young will go to Washington, and I definitely think that Washington is another team. You see how weak the NFC East is. You see how Washington was giving teams fits towards the end of the year. I think that that is going to snowball into 2020, and I think that, unlike Tampa Bay, I think the Washington Redskins are another team that people should be looking out for. They got a lot of young players. They got a lot of pieces there, and I think that definitely bringing in Ron Rivera, a very defensive-minded coach, morphing that team uh, together, I definitely think that Washington is going to be improved, especially when they're going to get a lot of lot of good young players in this year's draft. Uh, especially with Chase Young, uh, but with Cincinnati, I mean, I don't, I personally don't think that Cincinnati. I mean, they might not even hang on to their number one pick. And hear me out here: a lot of people are criticizing this because they say if Cincinnati trades away the number one pick, that it would be an awful decision. I I disagree. I personally think that if they take the number one pick and they draft Joe Burrow, I mean, you got, l- let's look at it comparatively. Joe Burrow in college at LSU had three of the best wide receivers. All are going to go within the first two days of the draft. You know, comparatively speaking, he's used to having the best talent around him, and that is why he was so successful this past season. You throw him into Cincinnati where you got liabilities everywhere, and you don't even know if your best receiver in A.J. Green is going to come back or not. Um I don't think that's going to set Joe Burrow up for the future. If Cincinnati really wants to do a rebuild, which I hope they don't, I really, I really hope Cincinnati collapses. But with that being said, if Cincinnati wants to do this, they will trade away that number one pick, get, get a good guy, get a couple first-round picks, get whatever you can, rebuild, and then go after your guy. I think a lot of these teams can potentially draft or, or trade up in the draft to go get either Joe Burrow or Tua Tungavailoa. And I think teams that are going to be trying to do that are going to be the Indianapolis Colts potentially. I think that the Carolina Panthers might potentially trade up. I think that the Los Angeles Chargers might trade up 
Uh, there's a lot of different teams that are going after quarterbacks here, and especially since Washington has their quote-unquote guy in Dwayne Haskins, um, I definitely think that people are going to be trying to fish up and get these picks, and it's going to be tempting for Cincinnati because, like I said, so many liabilities in so many areas that they might actually forego that number one pick in order to try and rebuild in other areas before they get that guy at quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see where some of these top-tier quarterbacks end up going in this first round. You know, we got Tua Tagovailoa, we got Joe Burrow, and you got Justin Herbert, guys like that that aren't getting as much attention. But it's going to be interesting to see where the quarterbacks go this in this year's draft with so many taken last year in a quarterback-heavy draft. But my thing is, is I'm really hoping that the Rams personally trade Todd Gurley for some picks. I would love to see that. I'd love to see Todd Gurley be traded just to get rid of that contract money and get some first-round picks. I think, you know, Daryl Henderson could develop into a pretty good running back, and it's such a running back-heavy league now that I think there's guys out there you could sign for a lot less money than Todd Gurley. He's scheduled to make up to $40 million in guarantees next year. That's going to be taking a lot of money out of that cap space. So personally, I hope that the Rams are going to trade up. You know, they don't have a first-round pick for the next two years now. Uh, I'm really hoping we can kind of get some first-round picks going here in the next couple years with that trade. But another running back I didn't mention that I want to get your thoughts on that maybe might get traded for some picks or maybe might be a free agent is David Johnson. David Johnson has had a couple good successful years with the Cardinals. He battled injuries the past couple seasons, and he's no longer considered maybe an elite-tier running back, but somebody right below that. What do you ultimately think ends up happening with him? I mean, I personally think that David Johnson's best days are behind him. Um, you know, you see a guy like that, he's getting older and he's very injury prone. And I mean, when we, when you look at running backs, this is why I'm always like, I'm not in favor of paying running backs the big dollars because their primes are so short, you know, 99% of the times running backs kind of have this really quick spurt and they come out, they come out firing. We saw it with Zeke. We saw it with Todd Gurley. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell. All these guys come out firing. They put up great numbers. They're looking like the next big thing. And then they fall off. I mean, that's just how running backs are. Running backs take a beating in this league. And I tell you what, I just don't see David Johnson going somewhere else and finding a new role in this time in his career. I just I just don't. You know, maybe he can come in for somebody like a like a championship contender and, you know, maybe be like a second back or like a third down back or be somebody. But for a team like Arizona, you know, they're looking for like a they're looking for younger and up and coming and building and moving towards the future. And I don't think David Johnson is that. And uh, yeah, with that being said, I just I, I don't see him being in a starting running back role and getting a big contract somewhere. We've just about touched on everything there is to touch on in this off-season preview part of our 17th episode of the Joes on the Pros podcast. Now, before we wrap things up, Junie, are there any other bold statements that need to be made about this off-season you want to leave our listeners with? All right, this is this is this is my bold prediction for next year: the Washington Redskins are going to win the NFC East. Well, that's certainly doable seeing as a 9-7 and team won it this year. We know that NFC East is always very tight as far as teams that are just over 500. So that's, that's very fair to think. I think they certainly have a good chance. I think anybody has a chance in that division every year. Certainly a bold prediction there. Um, and I think Alex Smith is going to come back and do it. I think Alex, Alex, Smith. I think Alex Smith comes back and then with a rejuvenated Redskins roster, they make the playoffs next year. I don't think the Giants are there yet. I don't think that the Eagles are going to – I don't think the Eagles are going to come back and be what we thought they were. I don't think they are that good. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys 
right now with all the things that are going on, all the off-season distractions, I think they're going to have an off year. I think this is just going to be one of those years that the Washington Redskins just come out of nowhere and surprise everybody and get into the playoffs. I'm going to make two bold predictions here, and these are going to go by the wayside. I can already tell. Uh, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to go worst to first. I think they somehow do it with all that cap room, all those draft picks. I think there's going to be some kind of quarterback, some kind of veteran quarterback they're going to bring in to uh, mentor Tua, and I think that's going to really benefit them, not so, only next so season. You're saying, so you're saying Tua, Tua to the Dolphins? I think Tua to the Dolphins, and I think they bring in a veteran guy to uh, help build him up, and I think they're going to be successful in that. And then also I think the the Las Vegas Raiders are going to come in firing this season, and I think they win the AFC West. That's right. They The Las Vegas Raiders. That's what I think beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't get me wrong. I think the Chiefs will make it back to the playoffs, but I think the Raiders are going to give them a run for a money next, really? next oh, season. Wow. Wow. The defending Super Bowl champions are not going to win the division. I mean, I mean, that's what we've seen. We've seen a lot of teams that have gone to the Super Bowl and have had a uh, mishap year. So, Casey, with the prediction there with the Kansas City Chiefs, that is all the time that we have. Uh, you know, a lot of these episodes are going to be a lot shorter just because we are out of season. We're just going to be talking about things coming up, um, you know, wh- whether it's pre-draft, the draft, free agency. We are going to cover all that stuff all this offseason until our school year ends. This is Junie Riddle. That's Casey Warner. This is the Joes and the Pros podcast. Stick with us next week for all the new offseason updates in the NFL. Thank you.